and welcome back to Series 5 of Krikminderpod, an Icelandic cinema podcast. I'm Rob Watts, and as ever, I'm joined by my good friend Ellie Cawthorn to journey through the cinema of Iceland. This week, I'm excited to say we have a rather special episode. With the Oscars two weeks away, we sat down with the first Icelandic female director to be nominated for an Oscar, Sara Gunnarsdottir. If you haven't already heard of her animated short film, My Year of Dicks, you have now. Available to watch at myyearofdicks.com, the film was written by American screenwriter and actress Pamela Ribbon and is based on a chapter of her memoir, Notes to Boys and Other Things I Shouldn't Share in Public. The short film documents in five chapters a year in the life of the younger Pam as she deals with the sexual romantic drama that comes with being 15, the dick she meets along the way, and her overwhelming fantasies in each situation. By turns hilarious, moving, and visually unique, My Year of Dicks is 25 minutes of pure joy and pure cringe. So if you haven't seen it, I suggest you go away now and immerse yourself in Pam's love life. Then come back for our interview with Sarah Gunnarsdottir, followed by mine and Ellie's discussion. Come on, my break's almost over. Can you just let me do this? So we are delighted to be joined on Krikmindapod by director of the Oscar-nominated short animated film My Year of Dicks, Sara Gunnarsdottir. How are you, Sara? I am good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, Where in the world are you? Because I know you've had a busy old week this week. Yes, uh, I am sitting in my house in Hatnafjörður, which is in the Reykjavik area. Uh, yeah, I just came from LA yesterday, where I uh, I was attending the Oscar luncheon. <laughs> that wow. must be pretty surreal. What is the Oscar luncheon like? Oh my god, it's crazy. It's um, it was it was very different from what I was expecting. Uh, it it was like coming into uh, this extreme version of a a movie prom. <laughs> like a, like American prom in the movies, but instead of a bunch of young people, there's just like all these famous actors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> Did you get to speak to any of uh, any of those A-listers? Obviously, you were rubbing shoulders with Tom Cruise, Guillermo del Toro, Elvis himself, Austin Butler. <laughs> uh, I I was a little overwhelmed, so I think the the only person I really really wanted to kind of say hi to was Guillermo del Toro, which I did. Yeah. Oh, wow. fantastic. Um, otherwise, I kind of just kept to the side a little bit, and and uh, <laughs> I was just enjoying the show. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, it's quite the experience, I imagine. Yeah. Um, were you a fan of his Pinocchio? I do. I do love his Pinocchio. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. So many congrats, um, Sara, on the Oscar nomination. And so for anybody who hasn't seen My Year of Dicks, how would you describe it? Um, I feel that we got to make uh, an adult animated show that is, or a film that is entirely kind of from the female perspective. Mm. it's like women got to make sausage party in a smaller scale <laughs> or oh you know i ha- actually haven't seen sausage party but um you just i just what i'm trying to say is that uh i feel like women haven't been allowed to play so much in this space i absolutely agree i think um i always say to my partner oh do you know what i don't i'm not really interested in 
animation so much when he wants to watch adult animation. And I think it is because quite often it does feel like a male-dominated space, especially you draw some kind of comic-like elements, don't you? And that feels really like a space that women haven't been given much agency in. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that that was, was that the kind of founding principle of My Year of Dicks? Well, Pamela definitely comes from comedy. And I think uh, she, I think when she was um, looking at me as a possible director to work with, she was like, oh, this is amazing. It's so beautiful. And, and her only thought was like, but can she be funny? <laughs> Um, yeah, and I think, yes. yeah, I think, I think we're funny. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I mean, I, I think one of the main things I took away from it, as well as that female gaze, as it were, is the intensity of emotion when you're a teenage, um, a teenage girl. So like whether that's, that's love and romance, whether it's lust, whether it's horror, or like the absolutely soul melting embarrassment that you never feel with such intensity when you're an adult. Do you think that animation allows you to convey that more than, you know, other mediums would? Yes, I think. Um, I think what animation does for us is that um, it, it's so much easy to, easier to just kind of really put us in somebody somebody's head. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like uh, I, I work so much in the live action space and I feel like for example, what, what I was doing in the Diary of a Teenage Girl was going into uh, Minnie's, the protagonist's head. And, I, f and we're, I feel like we're doing the same thing in this short, but, um, but the world is a little bit more consistent. And so we feel somehow at any moment, we just feel like we are in her shoes, literally. Mm. If that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I just, I think animation is such a, to me is in the world of filmmaking, animation is like the poetry <laughs> and, um, and I love to use animation on a very like this visceral emotional level. And I feel like it's kind of uh, something that we haven't been using this medium so much like this because it has been so much about, um, content for the whole family and mm -hmm. jokes uh and yeah i'm just so excited that now that um the technology and how we approach it is easier you can have an animation studio in your house by yourself mm -hmm. and it's it's generated all these um, amazing animation artists that are, are making this art that didn't wasn't there before and mm. I feel like slowly we're we're it's been just living on the internet somehow but I feel like we're breaking through into the mainstream a little bit and it's really exciting yeah absolutely and, and in the short you you have different chapters each about a different encounter or a different boy um and all of these chapters have a different feel to them don't they they incorporate some different like animation styles what were some of your inspirations or your touchstones there for bringing those different styles in? So the Pam already put it in the script, uh, this play with movie genres and, you know, how we're teenagers and we're trying to f figure out ourselves and who we are. And we're so uh, uh, influenced by popular culture and, and movies at this time. And we're just like trying on all these different 
personalities and I, so I thought it was very brilliant. And when I was reading the script, um, I immediately was just like, oh, you know, this artist, like, oh, Grace Neonry for the anime, uh, John Schaffner for the art house. Like, it, it just, just immediately, I was like, I this artist would lend a, a beautiful work to this. And it was so fun to approach all the artists. We're a very small crew. There's seven animators outside of myself. And uh, it was so fun to be able to come to them and say, please, will you like, would, would you like to do this with me? And I, I can give you this little chapter and you can just do your thing here. But then you also have to help me with the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Well, that's, that is interesting. How do you go about, so you've got this, this section of a memoir. How do you go about bringing that to the screen and to life in such a vivid way? What are the steps in that process? What are the steps? <laughs> a lot, I imagine. Yes. Uh, so I think in the beginning, um, uh, we I, I just started storyboarding and making animatics. The uh, pre-production actually happened super fast. And uh, I kind of realized how important that step is. And I will never underestimate it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we only spent four months before all the crew came on. And... Um, and I remember Pam was just, she's coming from totally different pipelines. She's coming from Disney where they are tweaking and working on the story until basically the movie's almost done and working in the th this 3D space where they can change more easily and move around because the world is all sculpted. But we're just like drawing every frame. And then, um, and I had even, I hadn't even storyboarded all of the chapters when we were like, okay, uh, we're going to record the actors and Pam was just like what are you, what are you talking about uh, uh, we like what if you know we're not ready and I was just like well it's just you wrote you wrote this thing and we're just going to record it and uh, <laughs> she was like wow this is and I remember saying to her just trust what you wrote and she was just like that has never been said to me <laughs> but it um, but I felt like we were really overly prepared for recording because we were like this is it this is our chance so we were really careful of just thinking about any scenario and any sound we might want to have for any actor and we actually only got went back to record one thing which is like um uh pam's um little monologue in the sweet one about um the bird <laughs> <laughs> that was the only thing that we went back to re-record, but we just we got it. Um, and I don't know. I, I felt I feel really comfortable working in the space where you just like we. It's a small crew, and we're just you. You trust the material, and everybody's kind of just trusting each other and doing it. I can't imagine being in the Disney machine where there's four hundred people that get to say they're thing and you're just constantly redoing things I just I can't imagine working that way uh so yeah I don't know <laughs> and you talked about you know it's animation but you were recording actors as well so how does that part work how do you how do you translate the sort of live action into animation right so in, so I have I had developed this way because I had worked so much in the live action space 
Uh, I had developed this way of, of recording a lot of reference footage and usually just using myself or my husband for like men and a woman <laughs> um, for kind of this natural tone as a, as a base. And also I've been also doing characters that are usually either uh, have to look like actors or real people. So to have that foundation really worked out. And when we were doing this, I was like, oh, I just, this is perfect to just keep doing that because it's based on Pam, who's a real person. And so right off, off the bat, I was like, I, I, I would like to get a, a consent from the actors to just use their looks. And um, and then I, I actually, in the beginning, didn't ask the actors if we could record them. We recorded their uh, voiceover sessions to have their faces. But then I was asking the animators to do their own references the way I had just been doing my own. And the first chapter that we worked on was the horror show, and, and that's how we did that one. So it's I think you can see maybe that it's the wonkiest one. <laughs> um, and all the animators were so nice about it. But at the end of that, they were just like, okay, Sarah, <laughs> why don't we just have the same person do references for the same character for consistency? Because this is a little bit crazy. And I was like, oh, yes, of course. Uh, and then... Um, I, I, I ended up doing references for uh, the friends, uh, Karina and um, a Kelly character that's all, only in the, mm. I actually did her in the horror show. Mm. And then we, we reached back out to the actors and said, hey, can we have two or three hours on Zoom and to record a little bit of, of references. But the references were really rough and, you know, Actors were alone in their living rooms and like, we were like, yes, okay, but pretend that you're pushing someone or kissing someone that is not there. Mm -hmm. So it's all really weird. And then to, to kind of make up for that, me and my husband um, shot references of probably 70% of the film where, <laughs> where you know, Pam is, is yeah. touching, interacting with these boys and it's just... So you're um, you're in the film there, hidden in the background somewhere in the shadows. Yes, there's a lot of cut and paste, <laughs> definitely a lot of me and my husband and Pamela herself <laughs> behind the animation. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I was I wanted to know a little bit more about when you work on a film like this, like you say, that's with such a small crew. It's so based on you know the incredible imagination of just a few people working in your own kind of bubble as it were when you're working on a, something like that and then you get an oscar nomination <laughs> what is that like that is surreal i mean when we were making this we were making it for tv and i think uh towards the end of it we started getting excited about taking it to festivals because um we really loved it as one piece but um FX networks were going to put it on this show called Cape where they were going to cut it all up. And we were just like kind of saddened by it, but we were like, okay, so that's just that. Let's just not think about it. Let's, and, and let's really do a, a nice festival run and, and enjoy it as a film. And then halfway through the year, um, and we had been doing festivals in the TV category in the beginning. And then FX let us know that, um, that they actually had no in plan on airing it. Uh, this cake was a little bit up in the air and 
And so we were like, oh, we basically have a failed pilot on our hands. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, but FX was actually really supportive and nice in a way where they own this. But we were like, can we continue going to festivals with this as a short film? And can we can we try for the Oscars with this? And they, were, they just said, whatever you want to do, it's fine. Just go for it. <laughs> um, but we were kind of on our own. Um, so we start, we, and, and we were doing so good in the TV category, but then we were like, ooh, okay, we're going to start applying for the short film category. And we thought we were not going to do so well there because we just thought the level of artistry in the, in the short film category is, is higher. Um, but then we did fine. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and we decided to do the Oscar run. Um, we had been approached by Benoit Chivard, who is... Um, who is a wonderful person who has specialized in PR for animated short, and he also does live action too, but he's very passionate about animation and to help independent filmmakers to get a chance at, at these big venues like the Oscar, because it takes a lot of, like it's a game you have to play. And if you don't have a peer person, then you're just kind of a little bit lost. Um, and he mm. wanted to represent us and we were thrilled. So we decided to do it. And in the beginning, we were like, okay, there's like no chance. But if we get shortlisted, that's a win. And then in the end, I was just like, but also like, if we just get invited to the Oscar, like <laughs> yeah. we could just get invited and then you're here. And I'm like, wow, I can't like, wow, I can't believe it. Yeah. It's incredible. It's it's like the short animated film version of Mulholland Drive, the way that was a, a failed TV pilot, but yeah. then suddenly one of the most celebrated films of all time. Right. Wow, yeah. That's how I see it anyway. <laughs> Thank you. I like that. And I think also we, we came kind of a little bit out of nowhere, and I think we surprised FX Networks by, by getting this far. And But they were thrilled. They were just like... Oh, right. Okay. You did it. <laughs> okay. Let's help you out. <laughs> um, I have a bit of a silly question for you, Sarah, because this film really was so nostalgic for me and took me back so much to being a teenage girl and the ridiculous fantasies you come up with. So obviously we have all these fantasies here, which don't really reflect the reality of the terrible boys that they depict, but you know, we've got the zombie, the vampire, the French um, romance, the sweet one. When you were a teenager, what would you have been drawn to? I think for me, it's the vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe the vampire because I was really into skate culture. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Um, but I was such a different teenager than uh, Pam. Oh my goodness. The the fact that she, and, and we're still like, very different people she's like this bubbly wonderful character and her heart is so much on her sleeve and and i'm just like i i was mortifyingly shy when i was a teenager and the thought of writing down your feelings to someone and then handed that to the person is just like how (laughs) that is the bravest thing i have ever heard like i wouldn't have even dared to write it down like i i was very Yes. Don't be shy. How about so you, Rob? Who would you have gone for? <laughs> what, out of those five? Yeah. Five, um, 
probably probably the vampire too. Oh, ooh, the vampire gets a clean slate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all of the same ilk, aren't we, I suppose? Um, oh, brilliant. Um, so you grew up in Iceland, Sarah. How much of this film, obviously they're universal themes, um, how much of it sort of relate related to your experience in Reykjavik? Because it's set in Houston, isn't it? So. Yeah, uh, I uh, yes, I haven't even been to Houston, and now I kind of feel like a ship home. But yeah, I think I think that, like I said, I was a very different teenager from Pam, and uh, grow up in a different country. But you know, I still feel like that the emotional ride is so very much universal, and mm. yeah, it just felt right from the start from the script. It, it felt super relatable. So, and and I think probably almost everyone has at one point been in a party and be like, I don't know how to get home. I have no idea where I am. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> where am I? <laughs> um, I? I guess finally, hopefully the film will reach, you know, m- a much wider audience now um, because of the Oscar nomination, just because people's eyes are going to be on it. So for all those people who come to it that might not have done um, otherwise, what would you want them to take away from it? Uh, I'm just hoping that uh, a lot of people realise how beautiful animation can be and that maybe, you know, that animation isn't just for this kind of close demographic and it's just it, any story can be told in animation, like anything. And... Um, yeah, I just, I guess I just, yeah, I want people to be more receptive towards this medium as a film. Yeah. <laughs> and also, uh, I should mention that tomorrow, um, this uh, film will uh, start screening on Hulu. Wow. So, yeah, very exciting. Amazing. Well, I have one final question. Obviously, we are a... Icelandic film-based podcast. Um, do you have a favourite Icelandic film? I think for the longest time, when No Way Alpino came out, it was so different. Everybody said <laughs> I that. knew you were going to say No Way It was just so fresh. I mean, it was about the same things that I think Icelandic filmmakers had been talking about, but it was just done in a different way, and it was so beautiful. And... It blew me away, and I was like, "Oh, this is beautiful! It's just beautiful film." But then I'm trying to think um, if there's something that's come out after that. Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> that's okay. I'm just pleased you agree. Yeah, you said Noe as well. Uh, yeah. So there's a yeah, long running debate on this podcast. Oh, you really? Waded into that. Uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. Ellie's not so sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to go back and watch it again, clearly. clearly. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. Rams was really, really good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We both agree with that one. Yeah. Um, amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, Sarah. Uh, good luck with the Oscar run. Um, and we'll have our fingers crossed for you. Thanks thank again. Thank you so much.
Hello, Ellie. Hi. How's it going? Good, thanks. Good. Ready to talk about a brilliant animation. I know. We spoke with the director of My Year of Dicks last week, and listeners will have just heard that interview. Uh, she was lovely, wasn't she? So nice. Yeah. So nice to chat to her. Very down to earth for somebody who's just been nominated for an Oscar. I know. So exciting. And yeah, two weeks' time. So we'll find out very soon. How it does so we've got all our fingers crossed uh but should we we should just talk about it hey i guess so that's kind of the premise of this podcast right yeah although normally we talk about mostly icelandic language mm. films whereas this is very much a kind of american story an american kind of written and creatively led thing but the director is icelandic which i think Owns it a place. Plus, it's really great. So, any excuse <laughs> to chance, any excuse to chat about it. Exactly. Yeah, love talking about good things. Uh, and this is an animation which we haven't looked at at all, no. really, have we? Bits of animation cropped up in Grandma Lo-Fi and yes. First, but this is a full twenty-five minutes of animation and all kinds of animation as well. Mm, and I have to admit, I feel a bit out of my depth when we're talking about animation because it is not my area of expertise. But I really enjoyed this. This is a story from the year I was determined to lose my virginity. Also known as My Year of Dicks. So we spoke to Sarah, but can you give us a quick synopsis of what this is? Yeah, so it's an animation in different chapters about one year the year of dicks in a girl's life as she's trying to lose her virginity. So I'm guessing she is 17? 15. Oh, yeah. 15. Okay. This is America in this the 90s. <laughs> um, taken from a memoir, adapted from a memoir. Um, and it's basically the little escapades that she gets into, for want of a better word, um, on that quest. Yeah, and the dicks she comes across. Yeah, good, bad and ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and obviously there's multiple meaning to the word dick mm. in that sense. But I was really taken with what Sarah said about, you know, the importance of this being from the female perspective. And that's super key, I think, in this. To me, it really gave me um, a flavour of things like to all the boys I've loved before or eighth grade. I mean, it's painfully cringe at some points. Or Booksmart, something like that. Um, these teen films that are about growing up, but they're very much from a female perspective, which was great. Yeah, and it really is as cringe as eighth grade. And the animation allows that level of cringe to flourish to new heights. Oh my God, yeah, we'll talk about the sex talk in a bit. But for me, you know, I'm not a female. Um, I didn't have that experience growing up. But it, this film reminded me so much of things like my so-called life. Don't know if you ever saw that. It was Claire Danes and Jared Leto in the nineties, and the this film has like each chapter starts with a little bit of uh, home video and voiceover from Pamela, and it was very very much nineties 
And I also thought of Clarissa Explains It All as well, the uh, Melissa Joan Hart series. <laughs> with, because the voiceover where she's talking about her experiences and everything she's going through as a teenager. Mm. And I really felt like I related to Pam, even though yeah. I hadn't been in that situation from that point of view anyway. Mm. I feel like the word nostalgia is one I want to use, but nostalgia that also contains like horrible, terrible cringiness. You know, it's not nostalgia in the rose-tinted way. It's the no. like, oh God, in the way the eighth grade does, bringing back the like mind, mind-numbing cringe of mm-hmm. those times, like in a really visceral way. Yeah, for sure. And the fantasies that Pam has mm. are the things that really bring that to life, aren't they? Because this is, yes, it is animated and the stories all have the same animation to begin with. There's almost two layers of animation, right? Yeah. There's the, like, reality animation. Yeah, which to me felt a lot like kind of things like King of the Hill and Beavis and mm. Butthead, that kind of Mike Judge-style animation. It's kind of relaxed, muted, mm. characters are a bit laid back. But then the fantasies... And again, the the dialogue mirrors that, doesn't it? So we have in the... If we call it reality, the real-life animation, we have, like very colloquial informal speech Mm. and then we have this like dramatic monologue (laughs) over the fantasy sections of the animation which is you know Pamela's inner monologue about these amazing romantic adventures she's gonna go on which obviously don't tally with reality which feels you know really relatable I think to a lot of people for sure uh, so should we, I don't know, it might be easiest because it's split into chapters to do this chat chapter by chapter. Go on then. So it begins with chapter one, the vampire. Yes. Okay, so I'm getting strong Edward Cullen teen <laughs> fantasy nostalgia here. This is a kind of, I know I know skate culture has always been around, but okay. 90s really kicked off that kind of skate culture. And in this segment, we have... The skateboarder dude who files his nails down to a point and is so cool. He's so mysterious to Pam. Oh, yeah. This would totally have been my vibe when I was like, <laughs> um, I used to, you know, have my Quicksilver bag on low. Oh, yeah. Converse, which my mum let me wear with my school uniform, which was <gasps> fair play. How on earth good. did you get away with that? My backwards Quicksilver cap. Don't worry about it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Impressive work. I couldn't skate at all. But had their luck. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, that's fine. You, <laughs> you can you can try to Ollie. I mean, it's you okay. still wear vans. I like still me. wear plenty of skate clothing. I've really not been able to skate most of my life. Went to the skate park, but if, you know, the second you fail dropping into a quarter pipe, I mean, that's basically the day done, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I did not have the uh, the confidence to go again once yeah. I failed. One thing I did think about this animation, I guess they were like, we've got 25 minutes. Mm. We need to cram this in. Is it's like straight in there. There's not really hardly any context or like, this is what this is going to do, which I guess if it was feature length, there would have been a bit more context. But I quite liked the fact on second and third watches. Three times. (laughs) I know. It is that good though. Well, it's only 25 minutes long, so you know, you can watch it three times in the course of a usual film. Yep. But um, on later viewings, I was like, it's great that it just throws you straight in there. The first one maybe takes a bit more orientation because there is a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, it is very, very fast paced and it literally starts like, hi, I'm Pam, this is my life. Boom. 
And then you see her chatting to her best friend, Sam. And there you are, boy. There's a boy. She fancies this boy. But it's so funny, isn't it? Mm, the yeah, whole thing. The whole thing is great. And like, I mean, I just have lists of quotes. This is endlessly quotable to me. Mm. But I love the the idea that, um, you know, she's feigning being good at skating just mm. to get in his kind of books and, and spend time with him. And Sam, her best friend, who's, I mean, he's not me. He's a much better person than I ever was. But uh, he's just there off camera, just like, she knows how to ollie. And <laughs> yeah. she's like, shut up, shut up. Um, I just want my time with this. Uh, I just want him to take my first blood or whatever it is <laughs> <Sure>. she says. <laughs> it's all so cringe. I love it. Um, but yeah, so this one, this this fantasy is very much about him being a kind of vampire. Even though in real life he files his nails down to a point. Psychotic he is obviously yeah. isn't a vampire. Uh, but... In her, in Pam's fantasies, all the imagery is of him being this kind of supernatural creature coming to whisk her away and mm. take her. The first, well, it's a classic, that's a classic romantic fantasy, isn't it? Since the uh, very early 19th century, actually. In terms of the gothic romance. Oh, of course, yeah. I was just, you know, dating back to the first vampire story by John Polidori in the early 19th century. <laughs> um, if you want to be specific. But... Uh, yeah, it's drawing on like strong romance tropes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The dangerous, alluring, seductive vampire. Yeah, because all of these boys across the film are different types of yeah. boy, of dick. But I love that they're all just actually really crap, but in yeah. ways. <laughs> and that's the great thing about the fantasies. You go off on these flights with Pam, but ultimately it all comes crashing down into real mm. life and they're all just dweebs in the end mm. like how does this story play out they end up going to a house party he kisses her turns out it's all just a kind of bet and you know it's how many girls can you get with mm. and you know the, the reality is this isn't her kind of big love they're not gonna have amazing sex and become all-time lovers basically <laughs> Basically, he's just another guy who wants to get his end away. Mm, lessons to be learnt here. Yeah. And then the second, I mean, the second chapter is equally disappointing. So that's this kind of French fantasy, isn't it? Oh, yeah. This, you know, European cinema fantasy, which is another classic. Yeah. So this is ungross penis. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I can imagine, you know, you get swept away as a kid with the ideas of a person mm. and like the exotic and so yeah. this guy kind of looks french i guess i didn't understand <laughs> quite understand that question is he meant to be french like french well, american i think pam says she's only spoken to him briefly once and seen oh. him in a photo once so she has this idea of what he is and he's so cool because he works at the cinema yeah and this whole thing is themed around kind of french new wave cinema so mm. that the animation, especially in the Flights of Fantasy, are kind of Jean-Luc Godard-style yeah. films. Red and blue, shadowy, smoky, slinky. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Sensual. Mm. Uh, so he kind of falls into that thing that she's already looking for. Looking for, yeah. Un floppy hair petite garçon royale. Un object the obsession. Your focus on my pleasure is exactly more superb. Oui, oui. oui. 
We rendezvous at Mars dusk at your place of business. Perchance your lips will find my flesh in the world of the real. Hey, there's just so much, like you say, cringe in this. Yeah. Do you know what? I found a diary um, that I wrote when I was 14. <laughs> um, and it was honestly the most cringe thing I've ever read in my whole a life. A 14-year-old diary. I think diary, 14, wow. 15, 16, maybe 16 you're coming out of it, is the worst of the cringe. Probably. I'm not going to tell you what it said. I really want you to tell me what it said. <laughs> it's only funny because I still know the people mentioned there. Well, you're, that's the thing. You'll never forget them. Like mm. even, if, even if you had forgotten them, the second yeah. you read that diary, you plug straight back into your yeah. thoughts and you become that girl again, I suppose. Yeah. I think that that is what this animation is so good at. Like it really just takes you into the depths of the teenage imagination. Yeah. Obviously, it's not made by teenagers, but the people who've made it have done a really great job of like inhabiting that mind space of everything being so intense and so meaningful when actually, if you look at the reality of it, it's not at all. No, and that you say, yeah, it's made by adults, but they've all been through a similar process. Like we said with Sarah, it's a kind of universal thing, whether mm. you're in America, England or Iceland. Um and the key creatives in this are female. So they've almost certainly been through mm. similar events. And the actress who plays Pam, because it's obviously based on Pamela Ribbon and the animation looks like Pam as a child, but it's voiced by Brie Tilton. And she just brings so much kind of, yeah, naivety and deadpan-ness to it. I love her, all of her deliveries. And she's just so good at all the aspects of like the huge excitement when she's in love with someone but then the kind of realization and the the, the crashing down. back down to earth of just mm. like oh i think it's important to mention as well though isn't it that this does touch on some serious and like slightly darker undertones themes because yeah. obviously it is really funny and it is jokey and it is cringe but there are moments where i was I worried maybe not the right word, but I was thinking it was going to take a darker turn. And I think it does hint at that about mm. issues of consent and um, how she's ending up in situations that maybe are not that safe or she manages to get out of them. But, you know, they're, they're gray areas that could have, have gone in a bad, gone in a bad way that could have ended badly. Yeah. That's true, especially with this one as well. And 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 also just the kind of misogyny of a lot of these teenage guys that she's imagining these great romances for all time and they're just after one thing and not really seeing her or acknowledging her agency and seeing her as a person with her own fantasies. It's true. Obviously, of the five stories, a couple of them are very much like, can you not just let me... Yeah. do this uh some of them for some somehow she ends up talking them out of it you know <laughs> boys are boys uh you're on your period or i don't want to do that or the guy's gay kind of thing i did not get that what the sweet one yeah did you think that's what it was yeah oh i didn't i didn't interpret it that way but Oh, well, let's quickly talk about that then. That's the next story anyway, I think. <laughs> yeah. But that one, which is all, all the fantasies are kind of anime style. Mm. 
It's uh, bubblegum pink. It's like buttercup yellow. It's, it's yeah. electric blue. The music is all Japanese kind of game, video game style music. It's it all reflects how excited she's. Like is. a sensory insane, overload. It? It's yeah. like in my eyeballs. Uh huh. And everything is in her eyeballs, like the little um, teardrops from the excitement and ultimately sadness. But yeah, that story. She's having so much fun with a guy who always wants to hold hands because she's not been with someone who's so tactile before. But he doesn't really want to do much more than hold her hand. Uh, and there are moments within The Sweet One where I really I really like the character of Sam because he's he is the kind of nice guy, best friend. And mm. they let him be that in this film. They don't give him a horrible like moment for to be a twat. Yeah. Um, but in this story... Robert, I think, is the name of yeah. the boyfriend. He, he, at one point, they're just having a bit of fun at the fair and Pam pushes Sam and he comes along and he's like, what are we doing? Are we pushing oh, yeah. Sam? And for me, it was like, oh, okay. Is he pushing Sam because he feels threatened? Oh, that was my interpretation. Or is he pushing Sam because he, he wants, wants to play to... with Sam? Ah, and I know what you're going to bring up next. And then which is the that scene... on the Ferris wheel... Uh-huh. Him and Pam are making out. He puts his hand, which I took accidentally on Sam's leg. Accidentally. So, so Sam, yeah, but he's, you know, he's otherwise occupied. And then Sam moves it back to Pam. To me, that was like just an expression of that Sam is so like involved in this scenario that he doesn't want to be involved in. Right. You know, like he's like, he's just like, I don't want to be here because obviously he likes Pam himself. Spoiler alert. Um, and she's like, oh, yeah, this will be great. You know, everybody has been that third wheel. Yeah, for sure. Especially in a teenage scenario where you're just like, mm, I'm here too. And that was just like <laughs> ramming that home. I mean, it's that a good point. Read. It's a good that point. But read. it did, to me, it came across as, you know, Robert has put his hand there specifically. He knows that's not his leg. Interesting, because this and just it, did not even, this interpretation of events did not even cross my mind. Wow. Because the, the next moment, they've broken up. Yeah, but that's like, don't you think that's just teenage life where it's like, will you go out with my friend? Oh, I'm on a breakup like two days later. Oh, yeah, obviously that that was like every year, every other week. But I don't know, something about it was like, maybe he felt like, oh, now Sam is aware of this and he's not into it. I should probably Mm. leave the situation. I don't know. That's great art, isn't it? Should have asked Sam. Have many interpretations. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But again, it's just so well put together. And, you know, funny and touching. There's the big bird chat, which, again, is another moment where he's just like Sam, despite what he may be feeling, is still able to be that kind of shoulder to cry on and Mm. able to turn a negative situation into the positive because he knows what Pam is like Mm. and she understands that. I thought this segment was really good at um, a really good example of what this does so well in where you have these two animation styles mm. and sometimes you're like fully in the real world, sometimes you're fully in fantasy and then sometimes the fantasy creeps into the real yeah. world. So there's a moment where they're on the bench, Pam and, Pam and Sam. Pam and Sam. And the rest of the shot is quote real world animation and then she transforms into anime she's like having this little moment of excitement oh yeah she's like yeah her and little knees turns back so i thought that that was really well done in this one 
Well, I think what's what's fascinating about that, that you bring that up, is that obviously by the end, I know we're jumping a little bit, but this relationship she has with Sam, he's the only person in the whole short who spots her fantasies and brings her mm, out of it. Yeah, absolutely. So the fantasy in that moment is is there, but it's not sort of taking over that situation mm. with Sam. And at the very end, yeah, the fantasy's banished. He literally tells her to put it all away, stop, be with me in the moment, rather than, yeah, get lost in your flights of fancy. This is, re- this is a real thing. Let's live it in the real world. Um, but what's the, uh, what's the moment of fantasy in story four? Which is the horror show. Oh, it's the horror show, isn't it? The yeah. horror show, and boy, is that a horror show. Holy shit, yeah. It um, is some, that's some horrific imagery in that one. Yeah, really. It takes a dark turn, doesn't it? So, of course, Pam goes to this house party, and it's one of those ones that you should not have gone to, not have snuck <laughs> out and uh, told your parents that you were staying at your friend's house. And then you end up here and think, oh, God, this is a mistake. Although she doesn't quite think that at the time Mm. does she she kind of falls in with that skinhead dude and is like oh okay he seems kind of neat straight edge whatever that's supposed to mean uh but yeah it's i thought the the voice acting of that character was brilliant his kind of just dead delivery i don't take drugs i don't drink i don't even have a coke (laughs) (laughs) so good and then there's a bit where he goes tell i've just watched it three times yeah uh where he goes your eyes are amazing. Your hair is perfect. Something like that. <laughs> so, I don't know. There's just something so creepy and weird about it. Like, oh, really yeah. unnerving. Totally creepy. And I think everyone else can see that. And we can see that. But Pam's Pam's in there. Someone's showing her some affection. Someone's complimenting her. Which is more than anyone else has really done in the film up to that point. And, yeah. Turns out he's a Nazi skinhead fucker or something. No, he is the Nazi skinhead. Yeah. So she's... She's the Nazi skinhead fucker. Sorry, yes. She would have Almost. Been. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. I'll play that clip now. Ugh. Huh. You know, if you were like 5% dumber, you wouldn't get into half the stupid shit I've seen you do. Okay. Karina's always going on about how you're so funny and you're so great, but you almost fucked a Nazi skinhead on my carpet last night, so <laughs> who's the total dumbass? What? It's you. No, I did not do that. I didn't do that. I did not do that. I would not. Yeah, dude, he's a fucking racist piece of shit, fucking turd licking white power, stupid ass inbred, ignorant flag fucker is what he is. And I've seen that dude shoot heroin, so fuck his big ass straight edge bullshit all the way to the double cheeseburger. He probably eats in the closet while he jacks off and then drinks his own jizz because he's so pure of mind or whatever the fuck. He's always going on that. Okay, okay, Kelly. Oh my god. Okay, Nazi almost fucker. Dad, I'm grounded. That mum, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Isn't she? That that scene in the car. Uh, mm. And the the imagery, the yeah, the kind of Junji Ito style horror imagery where everything's kind mm. of dripping. Melting. And melt, yeah. And it's all kind of, I don't know, just gnarly. It is gnarly. Gnarly is the word. As is the following sequence, actually, which doesn't really revolve around the boy this time. No, the sex talk. I mean, this is on first watch because I've seen, I haven't seen this three times, I've seen it twice. But this was the one that had me howling. <laughs> it had <laughs> me like wanted to claw my own eyes out. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, and that's this is why animation works so good for this kind of thing. Because, yes, it's a really cringy moment. And it would be cringy in a live action setting. Mm. 
but you couldn't illustrate how Pam is feeling. It turns the knob up to 11, doesn't it, really? <laughs> of, like, expression. Of... It is... Oh, my God. It's skin-crawling. Yeah. Your head blowing up is exactly what you'd yeah. want in that moment. And also the, the kind of sound recording on this bit I particularly noticed is it's so close, like mm. her dad's speaking, and it's almost like ASMR. So... Oh, God. Why do you think you'd like sex? Oh, it's so... No, it's just disgusting. It's like they've thought about every element of that, haven't they? And how to make it the worst possible. And that's also combined with the imagery. Like he talks about... I think he talks about sex not being good or women don't like the penetration or something. Mm -hmm. And the shot is of a cigarette being put out in an ashtray. Like Mm -hmm. very clever. And it's, it's exactly what he's saying. And we don't need actual images of sex mm. for anything to be sort of explained. Mm. You know, animation, they could well have gone off on and had hundreds of dicks in this film. But they didn't because we don't, don't need, need it. To. No. Yeah. Although the moment in Ungrossed Penis where she, where her hand <laughs> is put down his trousers. And she's like, my first <laughs> human penis or whatever it is. And the animation shows it as like a banana a ketchup bottle and a baby's leg so weird (laughs) i mean it's so the whole thing is so inventive and just for the like emotionality of it all and how that's conveyed in animation is just brilliant Mm -hmm. i please can we move swiftly past the sex talk i can't deal with it anymore oh it's but it's just oh it's just so good it's oh i love it just I like the whole time my all my muscles were just like yeah. I don't know tightening and I was just turning into myself <laughs> and like if I could I would have ended up like Pam like yeah. just a kind of amorphous blob of bits of human uh. like she looked like a character from society the Brian Yuzna film oh talking of horror as well in the horror show she talks about you know seeing the, the horror films on TV and she completely gets mistaken when she talks about what girls in horror films are like, it's like, oh, the virgins never survive, so I should definitely have sex, so I'll be fine. And it's like, oh, you fundamentally misread. This is such a, a horror, horror nerd's trope. point. But it's true. It's like, oh yeah. my god, she almost has sex for, for I mean, for many reasons, wrongly. But for her, explanation is so wrong. It's <laughs> just like, oh my god, no, the virgins survive. The virgins survive. <laughs> Oh my God. It's just very clever. The whole thing is so clever. And mm. I mean, I don't know whether, because this was originally five shorts, mm. whether or not there was any extra stuff in each one or whether it this is just all five of them pushed together. But it just feels so perfectly calculated that yeah. you wouldn't need, you don't need anything else. If there was anything else, I can't imagine what it would be. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just brilliant. And after all the like um the cringe and the <laughs> disappointment and the horror of the previous mm. episodes, the fact that we do get that happy ending is nice. It feels like a it feels like a concession to, you know, like the teen movie tropes. Lizzie McGuire, clueless. <laughs> it's always the one that was always there all along. It's always Paul Rudd. And it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just nice to, it's nice sometimes to have a genre convention that you, that is comforting and is uplifting and you think, yeah, I'm happy to fall into convention there. 
Yeah, for sure. It's like it's well earned. It's not like mm. they've gone, oh, by the way, there's this other character, and mm. at some point he's just going to come back to play. They fully flesh out Sam, mm. or he feels fully fleshed out anyway. We obviously don't know much about him, but their relationship feels earned by the end. Mm. Like he has turned her down in her moment of kind of need where she's bouncing uh, because he knows that's not what ultimately she would want. And yeah, it's so, it is properly sweet. Yeah. It's really nice. The music at the end. Brilliant. Oh yeah. Do you know who that is? No. That's Mr. Silla, um, Icelandic musician. Okay. I'm going to need you to text me that after so I can go away and listen to it on Spotify. I shall. And I'll also put it on socials as well. Uh, good music throughout this actually. Yeah. I loved, I love that track in the sweet one. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's all, it's just all works so well together. I love it. So we're going to be backing this. In the Oscar race. Yeah, bets placed. And I mean, I don't know how anything can beat this, to be honest. You got any other Oscar um, tips that you want to give? As in like mm. who you who you would back and different well, things? Now the BAFTAs are finished, I reckon we won't see All Quiet on the Western Front win Best Film. Nah. I think Best Film will probably go to... Uh, I th- I'm gonna I'm gonna put my money on everything everywhere all at once. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think the Oscars are gonna try something a bit different. Mm. Um, but Michelle Yeoh, if nothing else, should win for that. She should have won at the Baftas. <gasps> Kerry Condon. What about Kate Blanchett? Kate Blanchett. My money's on Kate Blanchett for Best Actress. I think that's a fair bet. Uh, but it's still all up in the air. I mean, the Baftas don't really signal any kind of foreshadowing of the Oscars. So who knows? But my year of dicks for best short animated film. Woo woo woo! Our fingers are firmly crossed for Sarah, Pam and the rest of Team My Year of Dicks at the Oscars. But even if they don't win, I think you'll agree it's a brilliant piece of art that warrants many a rewatch. An animation with universal themes and with a focus on underseen characters, My Year of Dicks will surely continue to grow in popularity and lead to even greater things for those involved. Let us know what you think of the film over on the socials. That's at Kvikminderpod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can subscribe or follow us wherever you get your podcasts.
A rating and or review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts will help us reach new listeners. And if you're feeling extra generous, please donate to our Ko-fi page at ko-fi.com slash kvickmindapod. All our links can be found on Insta, Twitter and in the show notes. We'll be back soon with another 21st century Icelandic film and another with a female director. Can you guess what it might be? See you soon. Tack bless. Thanks and goodbye.